Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line. The podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race or an event, but in life. I'll have guests on that have jumped over a lot of hurdles to get where they are today, and hopefully their stories will inspire you. Pillar Performance, been talking about it for the last four or five weeks, and I was introduced to this product at Ironman New Zealand in December. They told me, it's out of Australia, but they told me that it would help me sleep better. I was a little bit of a naysayer when I was there in New Zealand because I didn't want to take something I had never taken before. But when I got home, I took it because they said, take it after workouts, before you go to bed, not during your session. So I did. And I cannot believe how well I am sleeping, including my wife, Rose, the same thing. She goes, don't ever run out of this stuff. Pillar Performance Triple Magnesium Powder is a recovery agent. Uh, designed for us as athletes, but the sleep I'm getting from it is quite amazing. It's out of Australia, as I mentioned, but you can get it at thefeed.com, right here in the U.S. at thefeed.com. They gave me a code so you could receive 15% off. That code is M-I-K-E-2-3, M-I-K-E-2-3 to receive 15% off. It is in stock right now in both flavors, in the lime and the berry. I love them both. I got them both. I switch back and forth between one or the other every night. That's how I work it. So pillar performance, you got to try it out. My guest today is the first three-time guest on Find Your Finish Line. He was on two times last year, and we've got him back. None other than Mr. Mark Allen. How you doing today, Mark? Wow, the first three-timer. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 you're almost catching up. Maybe I, since you've won Kona six times... You know what that means. Before this is all done, you're going to be on this baby six times. <laughs> well, you know, at, at 65, it's kind of cool to be a, a first at something again. I never thought I would be. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm only a first if I get out on my bike and ride a little longer than I did the day before. But that <laughs> usually never happens anymore. <laughs> yeah. It always seems to go backwards. So, Mark, I ask every guest, even though we're going to be talking about the year in review, you know, talking about the year that's already happened or half a year and what's going to go on the rest of 2023. But Mark Allen, did you get a workout in today? You know, I I have not gotten one workout in today, which is very unusual. Normally I, I get up, I have my coffee, check the emails, and then I go surf. But surf has been pretty miserable, small to miserable. And so I've been going to plan B. And so that's usually getting out and going going for a walk and then doing some stationary bike work or going for a walk and then hitting my uh, tonal that I have set up in my house. Something I do about an hour, hour and a half of something every day. So actually, as soon as we get off, I change out of this and I go put on the workout clothes. All right. Yeah, I see you got your tri-dot shirt on. We'll talk about that. So it uh, it's pretty interesting because it's been warm in California and the surf seems to go away when it's much warmer, doesn't it? it? Why is that? Well, I don't know if it's directly related to our immediate weather, but you know, usually this time of year, we get the south swells from the South Pacific, those swells that generate way down there on the other side of the planet and travel, I don't know, 7,000 miles to get here. But that hasn't been happening, and the, you know, the North, North Pacific is pretty much quiet, taking a breather until the fall comes around. So... Each year is different. This between winter here, last winter when we had just tremendous, yeah. tremendous storms and more rain than I've ever seen, and and bigger surf than I've ever seen, but stormy. And then all of a sudden it shut off, and now we've had nothing. It's it's we're at, we're having these extreme weather situations going on, and you know I through the surf you kind of get a, you get a a read on a lot of different parts of the planet what's going on. South Pacific not happening, North Pacific not happening, unusual. Well, I don't know if you saw last week, though. I was with Joanne Murphy in Galway. We took a vacation there uh, with Rose's twin sister and her husband, and I swam in the North Atlantic with no wetsuit. I'm telling you what, those are the toughest people I know. Everybody out there in the morning, Mark, 
were swimming. The water temple was, I think it was 60, 61. No well, wetsuits, nobody out to the buoys and back. I go, this is, so I, I, I jumped in and did the same thing. And man, I didn't last that long. <laughs> well, it's probably the best cure for one too many Guinness that you had the night before, right? <laughs> or or the morning of. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it is a cure for sure. All right, Mark, we're, we're today going to review the year uh, uh, that has happened already, the half year that's happened already, and then go into what you believe is going to go on for the remainder of 2023. First off, my first question, so far through July, August here, it it's been an interesting first half of the year, wouldn't you say? It, it's been super interesting. You know, a couple, a couple sort of highlights for me that are interesting. Um, one, one of them, and this is one of the more positive ones, is um, um, Daniela's comeback and her her, her world mm-hmm. record that she set in challenge at Challenge Roth. I mean that. That time that she went was, first of all, absolutely incredible. Second, that she was able to put that together after really f- kind of looking like she was stumbling for a few years. You know, when, when an athlete starts to get toward the, the later part of their career, more often than not, when you see those um, race after race kind of adding up where it's not coming together for them, it's not coming together, they never quite get it all the way back to where they were. And, of course, in her in her wins in Kona, you know, she was dominant. She was untouchable. But then all of a sudden, she's not. And uh, so f- to see that time that she did there in at Challenge Roth is, was amazing. The second, I guess, you have to sort of put it in that category is Magnus Ditlev, who set the men's record there. Amazingly fast. And not only was it fast, but hearing the the, the some of the comments from the other athletes who were in the race with him trying to keep up with him on the bike saying, you know, my, my legs were ready to explode trying to match those Watts that he was putting out. So, um, pretty cool performances. The other side, they they, uh, go, go ahead. You know, the, the other side is, are some of the, some of the performances that haven't, haven't sort of stacked up. You know, the, the big glaring one at the moment for me is Gustav Eden. Of course he, you know, he, just like his compatriot, Christian Blumenfeld, seemed pretty invincible and unbeatable when they were on, and they seemed to be able to be on at will, you know, in the past several years. Gustav's uh, world record and, and championship win in Kona last year, amazing, mind-boggling, fast, steady, just pulled it off. And um, But this year, in, in the shorter races, he's been trying to get points, qualify for the Olympics, it hasn't come together for him. Of course, you know, there's been emotional challenges with his mom having cancer and, and passing away. Um, but it, it just seems like even with that, the, the level of athlete that he is, that he would have been able to sort of rise above that, at least on race day and put it together. Christian has done a lot better, but he still has yet to, um, you know, beat the the real top dogs who are going to be medal contenders in Paris 2024. So th- those are those are some of the the highlights that that have stood out for me. And and then of course you got you got to look at Gwen Jorgensen. You know, yeah, coming sure. back after whatever seven years and having a child and um, you know everything that has gone into that time and, and trying to make it to Paris. She had a a race just last weekend and uh, in the mixed relays her run split was faster than any of the other women by 19 seconds I think it was so uh, you know huge she, she's had to do a huge leapfrog to go from not competing at that level in triathlon to trying to make it to the Olympics those those are some of them yeah, those are and as a matter of fact it's it's some, all of those are written down in front of me. I, I wanted to talk about that. I want to jump back to Daniela. You know, she had that tough time, but you, you got to remember, she came back at uh, Utah at the Ironman World Championship and, you know, put up the five and, and, and had a great race. But right after that, it just went downhill again. The, the ebbs and flows of her career 
of late have been very interesting. And I don't think anybody wrote her off at Roth, but they had no idea she was going to pull off that kind of a performance. Do you think she could now, with how she's set up, win both the 70.3 Worlds and Kona in October? The 70.3s in September and then Kona in October? Think she could pull that off? Well, if anybody has the the talent and the, the coaching knowledge behind her being back with Brett um, Sutton, she could. That's a big ask, though. You know, first of all, to go from what it must have taken for her, for her to get in that kind of shape to go just over eight hours, you know, that's that there's a recovery curve on that. And of course, you're going to have that that sort of winner's high that can kind of mask mm-hmm. some of the, mm-hmm. the, the the need for sort of elevating your recovery after something like that. But she's smart. Can she win both? Um, I, I think winning both the harder one w- will be. Well, I don't know. I think she can, you yeah, know, you, the, the, yeah. I, I know you're, you're back and forth with yourself right now. I, I, and I think the same way. Well, if she won Finland, that would mean, oh my gosh, the step up and win Kona. I don't think that happened. But if she didn't win fin- Finland and and rebooted, she could win Kona. I mean, it's like back and forth for me. Yeah, and, and I'm sure the, the pri- higher priority for, for her would be Kona. Mm-hmm. First year mm-hmm. with just and women. And then Gustav, you know, Mark, Gustav, I, I, the performance last year that we witnessed was was beyond stellar. Uh, but when someone, you, we've all been through this, you you have, I have, with someone in our life that we love that's going through a tough time. Uh, yeah, the, the, the passing of his mom was tough, but remember the leading up to that of her battling cancer, that had to just take a lot out of that young man. And people don't realize, even though you go out and you know, maybe you're with your mom in the morning, you go do your training, you come back. But when you're training and doing everything, you're, you know, your mind's just full of, of, of that. And hopefully she, you know, hoping she gets better and she didn't. And so that had to be a tough drain. I don't, I think Gustav's got a lot of great races left in him. Uh, sure, 2024 may be tough just because of the lead up. But, you know, he's got until the mid, uh, you know, until August of next year to be able to try to put something together and pull that off. So I, I, I hope he can do that. What about, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, what about the grind? <laughs> I, I thought about this when we were talking about, because everybody's kind of in that short distance mode, Super League and the Olympics. Do you think some professional athletes are taking a hard look at the grind of racing a lot of Ironman distance races and saying, you know, I got to reevaluate this and think about a lot of 70.3s or Olympic distance races. You think that's, do you see that trend starting to happen with some of the pros? Well, let me just put it this way. Um, somebody could probably race really well at, at 70.3 and Super League and Olympic distance, uh, but it would be hard to race Ironman and Super League 70 uh, and um, Olympic distance, you know. So, like, like uh, obviously that's what um, I think Christian is trying to do. It's a kind of, or a lot of guys are actually trying, Max Newman, I think, is trying to do that. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to just sort of shorten shorten it up this mm-hmm. year. And, and part of that might be that, um, you know, the men's championship is in Nice this year. So maybe they're thinking, well, let me just, let me do stuff a little bit differently this year. See if I... If I can say qualify for the Olympics, which then would for sure be a pretty cool thing to do if they could, but to to focus on um, Nice and also trying to qualify for Paris at the same time, that's a that's a big that's a big ask. So yeah, it does seem like there's a little bit of a trend toward uh, focusing on uh, more seventy point three as opposed to putting all the eggs in the Ironman basket. I mean, look at, look at Sam Long. You know, he's just said, look, I'm just doing 70.3s. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Long was uh, very wise in his decision. I don't, sure, we would love to see him race Ironman races, uh, but I think he, you know, maybe it's his makeup, maybe it's his mental attitude, maybe it's his physical ability, whatever it may be. 
uh, I don't know. I just feel that it was a really right decision for himself. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, you know, Sam is kind of like, I'm just going to go ballistic type of athlete. And you can't go ballistic yeah. in an Ironman or you blow completely, right? But in a 70.3, if you're, if you're in that, I'm just going to go ballistic on this course today, it's, it's short enough, even though it's long, that you can get away with it. And, um, you know, he's, he's proven now that even with a certain handicap that he, he tends to have after the swim, he can still pull off victories. So for sure, absolutely very, very smart. And with a, you know, with birth of a child, that's another level mm-hmm. of, as you know, complexity, energy that goes out that doesn't have anything to do necessarily with actually racing. So very, very smart on his part to do that. What about our friend Jan? For, you know, Frodo, he was was having a lackluster season and some injuries. And all of a sudden in Andorra, he put together one hell of a performance. And I think put a stamp down on saying he's back. Do you think that type of performance for him is something that can catapult him to the, well, I, I don't want to say to the end of his career, for the rest of his career? Um, you know, I might, I might be looking at his race in Andorra differently, um, than a lot of folks, you know, it was his first win in a while. He he didn't, he didn't win in Hamburg, um, which he, he still did pretty darn good. Right. But, but it wasn't a victory, uh, Andorra he won, but it's also where he has been training a lot. So I don't know if you've ever been to Andorra, but there's, there's no place to go, but either down or up, you know, it's, it's, it's so hilly there. It's hilly like you, you can't even imagine. Uh, so he was, he was dialed in for that course, you know, training there, living there now. Um, and the field, what to be honest, wasn't as deep as he's going to encounter. Let's say, at in Nice, or, or let's say, let's say Nice specifically, because I think that's probably his main goal. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's a step in the right direction. Is it? A stamp saying I am back to where I was. No, in my opinion, no. I think he still has to. He's still got to put it together when you've got you know a stacked field in a long race with hills and things in it that you know have not necessarily been where he has focused his greatest performances at. He's not washed up for sure. I mean, look at the guy. Look, he, you know, he looks as fit now at. 427 years old as he did when he was like three you know he's like <laughs> lean and, and cut and like geez doesn't doesn't the guy uh, what's he gonna do when he uh retires you know but anyway yeah yeah i i i mean you you in nice you have to count him in as a, as a podium contender i i truly believe that i think that's what his huge goal is, what he's shooting for, what his target is, how he's training. So, yeah, I mean, I wish him well. I think I think that Nice could be uh, a, an incredible uh, race for him. Yeah, if if he what pulls else off, happened? To, yeah, if he pulls off a great race ahead. in Nice, that will that will be the the icing the cap on his career because it will say, mm-hmm. "All right, guys, you've been talking about me since 2019, and I just shut up now, okay." You know, and and he's done. Uh, he he as, as you saw probably in, in social media, he did a, a, quite a reconnaissance training uh, time there in these to check out the course, check out the hills, get it in his mind what he's going to have to do, get it in his mind how he's going to be basically over prepared on a course that is very demanding. You know, he's got he's got a he, he's got a full contingent that are going to be um, putting the hammer down along mm-hmm. with him though. Yeah, yeah, a, a ton. What about this uh, first part of the year and how Chelsea Sodaro has been training and, and racing? Do you think she could repeat in Kona? I think she could. Um, you know, she hasn't, she hasn't really been a standout. She had, she's had some, you know, one of the races she goes, I don't know what went wrong. You know, I felt great. My training was going great. I don't know what went wrong, something with the nutrition. So I would definitely say if if she's 
anywhere close to where she was last year, even if Daniela is on with with her run and her mm-hmm. her ability to just go beyond the numbers, I think it will be very very difficult uh, for Daniela to maintain any kind of a lead that she might have off of the bike. Wow! Never bet never wow. bet against wow. the returning champ when it comes to Kona. Also. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> one, one that knows well. So what's going on between you and Tim Don? Him and his rules and you coming back at him? I, I loved it. What, <laughs> you know, we're all entitled to our opinions. And did that at all, I don't know, why, were, were you upset by that? Or, or did, tell me what you thought of that whole back and forth. Well, you know, it, it started because I, you know, everybody was saying that, um, you know, the Norwegians and Norwegians and Norwegians. And, and I was kind of like, you know, I've looked at I've looked at a lot of what they do. And well, it's actually started because I was putting the question out to the whole triathlon community. Can those two guys, Christian and, and Gustav, who have excelled at Ironman distance in the last couple of years, 70.3 distance, can they now drop it back down to Olympic distance and excel again? You know, it's We've seen people go from Olympic to Ironman, but it's it's a whole different ball of wax to go from Ironman back down to seventy point down to Olympic distance. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of reasons why I think that's that's very challenging. A lot of it is just how you have to kind of reset your whole way that you train and, and all that. But anyway, I said I think it's going to be hard for him. I don't see it being a slam dunk like you know Gustav months ago said. I see myself winning the gold. It was like so simple for him. I see myself winning the gold. Woohoo! This will be fun. <laughs> it's been, not been fun for him, you know. Um, so anyway, so I put that out there, and then, you know, Tim Don sort of came back and said, you know, Mark's lost touch with reality. Like those guys are on a whole different level. Their training is like a, it, it's a, it's a quantum leap from, you know, the way they train and the way they prepare is a quantum leap from anything that has ever been done before, and. I was like, mm, I don't agree. I don't agree. And usually I just keep my mouth shut. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you have your opinion. I have mine. But nobody knows what mine I was. I know. I know. And, 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 and this, this actually was definitely prompted by uh, discussions that Scott Zagarino and I had. Scott, my you know, business partner in yeah. my coaching. And uh, he's like, this is a perfect opportunity to just, you know, put it out there what you're thinking. And, and so we... You know, he he actually helped. He he did a lot of the sort of background concept of it. But basically, you know, I've I've looked at uh, and, and I wanted to respond in a way that wasn't didn't turn it into a debate. I just wanted to right. sort of say, look, you know, there's there are times when things take these quantum leaps that are like, wow, you know, for for sure. One of those was 1989 when Dave and I took Ironman from surviving to actually racing. Another one, literally, seriously, in my mind, was whatever it is that Daniela did that got her ready for that race in, in Roth this year. That was a, that's a quantum leap. But anyway, you know, what the, what the Norwegians are doing, it's like they're not actually, from what I can gather, and I've had some conversations with our coach and seen stuff that he's put out on social media about what, what they do and what they're measuring, they're not they're not measuring anything that I they're not looking at anything that I didn't. You know, they're trying to figure out how high can a, my can their body temperatures go before they blow up? How fast can they get in calories before they start to barf? You know, uh how much power can they push on the bike before their quads just explode? You know, just stupid little things like that. That's the exact same stuff that I was looking at and doing. So are they doing this groundbreaking, looking at all these unusual things. No, they're looking at the basics. The difference, and this is, this is the progression, this is a progression, and this has happened, you know, since we started in the sport. There's these progressions of building on the knowledge of the past. So, you know, athlete in Generation X is looking at these things, and then the next generation comes along, and they go, well, we want to look at those things, but here's some tools that can help us look at it a little more closely, you know, and so they're, yeah. you know, they're doing the lactate testing and, and they're measuring all this stuff. When I was racing, we had to do it by trial and error and intuition. So 
I knew what it felt like when I, my body core temperature was getting so hot that if I kept it up there, I was going to blow. I knew what the sensation was like when I was pushing so hard on the bike that my quads were going to explode. You know, just and, and I knew if I take in another banana, <laughs> it's all coming up. You know, so I didn't. So it, it took me 15 years to learn what probably they're learning in you know two or three, and that's that's the big difference. Is it? It's compressed the learning curve. So anyway, um, I just thought, you know, why not just tell it like it is? I, I have a perspective that comes from being in the sport um, for, you know, 41 years now. And uh, I've seen a lot of new methods come and go. And a new method that is groundbreaking is going to be one that can be applied directly to any athlete and they will get benefit. They will be able to improve from it. You know, and I have actually seen, well, we've, we've both seen a number of athletes mm -hmm. who are now sort of doing the, who have done the Norwegian method have, have shitty races. You know, look at Lionel and Colin Chartier last year in Kona. They were being coached by um, Mikal Eden, you know, Gustav's brother, sort of in the Norwegian method, they both had terrible races. So obviously, whatever it is that's working for Christian and Gustav and Olaf, um, you know, that team, they've they've figured it out for those that sampling of two people. But until we can take all of that and give it to every age grouper and go, wow, now look at all, how all the, the age groupers also are just going kaboom, then that, that could be considered like a, a groundbreaking leap. And so that's that's kind of what I I look at when I'm thinking of all that. Yeah, it it's uh, it's a matter of well, the way we've always you know I, I've looked at it, you've looked at it, others. I, it's the big picture look, and it's you're right to be able to benefit the masses. Then you know, wow, this this is something else. Uh, I don't disbelieve anything the Norwegians are doing. I think what they're doing is they're is they're pinpointing it to a pure science because they're able to do that with the technology of today. Mm -hmm. You didn't have that. You eat the banana, you threw up. Okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, the, the trial and error start. But I love that little back and forth because I know you're, you've already respected and you're friends with Tim Don as I am. And when I see that, I go, oh, okay, this is interesting. But it's just one person's opinion, which I think we need uh, – more of in the sport without bashing anybody. And I know that was your intent, not, not to do that. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't to discredit anything that Tim was saying uh, because there's validity to a lot of what he's saying. Uh, and and I don't, it's stupid to get into debates over specific little minuscule things. Um, ironically, just today, I, I, I just recorded something that I'll be posting probably later today. It's about um, Matt Sharp, who a Canadian pro who was disqualified at uh, Ironman 70.3 Maine for having his his jersey unzipped all the way down. Um, and um, literally right as I was going out to record it, I noticed something uh, on Try247 that Tim Don was responding to that specific ruling. And on this thing, we agreed 100%. Like, really? Come on. You know, he had he had unzipped, he came in third place, unzipped his his jersey was unzipped all the way to the bottom, so it was actually open at the bottom. The ruling apparently says you can have your jersey unzipped, but it has to be secured at the bottom. And so, right, um, both Tim and I have have were thinking along the same lines. Like, what does it matter? Who cares? I mean, if it's zipped nine tenths of the way down, you're seeing as much flush as if you know, basically it's not zipped at all. It's not, it's not a, a danger to anybody. He's not exposing himself. It's hot. He's trying to cool off, you know? And so who cares if it's secured at the bottom or not? It's like, oh, that's illegal because we better make a ruling because if it gets unzipped at the bottom, then there's something really bad about that. And we don't want anybody going around the race course with an unzipped zipper on the top of their try kit. <laughs> who is the genius that thought of that rule you got way too much time on your hands and if there is a reason <laughs> please let me know 
I'm open. Let me know what the reason for that rule is. Hey, Mark, it's that old exposure of the belly button. You just can't let that happen nowadays, you know? <laughs> well, you know, if you have a belly button ring, you want to show that thing off. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Only one more thing we're going to discuss that's already happened. And that's the CEO of Iron Man, Andrew Messick, announcing that by the end of the year, he'll be retired. He'll be looking for a new CEO. He's had 12 years at the rain. And little side note, uh, as you know, I worked at Active for a lot of years, 16 years. And Dave Alberga was our CEO for most all those years. And I'll never forget one time he came into my office and he was at the, I don't know, seven or eight year mark of being our CEO. Things were flying along. Everything's great. And he said, you know, Riley, uh, um, um, I'm like past the limit. And I go, what are you talking about? Well, you know, I'm past the limit with how long CEOs last with a corporation. Whether you're doing a good job or not, you've got the board and they want to make a change. So the CEO lifespan is that seven, eight, nine year mark at, at max. And Andrew was in there 12 years. Yeah. Mm. So that, that's something to be said because of what I think he's accomplished with the sport. Like him, dislike him, whatever people say, and everybody at the top, if you became CEO, they're going to be like, if I became CEO, all of a sudden we're going to have negative factions out there. But he did last longer than <laughs> most CEOs do in, in America, that's for sure. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I've thought about it. You know, um, one, for sure, he lasted longer than the, the average CEO, uh, which I think says a lot about the, the positive things that he did. You know, when, when it was first announced, um, I, I was looking on social media and, you know, 90% of the comments were like, goodbye, good riddance, you screwed up the sport, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, hold on, people. First of all, you, you know, you, you look at the CEO of Iron Man and you think that that person is supposed to be your best friend. But they, they have a responsibility to run it as a business. And a business, basically, you know, it has, has, they're trying to make it sustainable and for making long-term profit. If they don't make profit, then the business goes under. You know, he had to navigate the most difficult situation that anybody who's been involved with Iron Man mm -hmm. has had to do, which is during COVID, you know. And he had to make really tough decisions that were not popular to make sure that the company survived. Um, you, you know, there was, there was, there was the stuff with like, why isn't everybody getting their entry fees back? All that kind of thing. The, you know, had he done that, Iron Man would have gone under. It would not exist today. And, you know, let's also keep in mind that he, he brought some of the greatest innovations to uh, Iron Man. He, he invented 70.3 and invented 70.3 World Championship, kind of um, moving it, sorry, moving it from location to location, you know, genius type of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for whoever takes over, you know, Iron Man, the, the, the the brand Iron Man, I think, has there's part of it that it, you know in in my wish list would there would be some focus on sort of bringing back the magic of what that is for people. You know, you you clearly are tapped into it because you know you brought people across finish lines at, at Ironman races all over the world. You know, you were you were helping bring that magic and like anchor it into the people when, when you call them across the line. And I think there's, there's got to be some of that, that that goes on. It's not just about, you know, get a discount on your next race to whatever. It's this, this sport is about the experience. And the more me, you, other ambassadors for the brand, for the sport, sort of uh, rekindle how special that and amazing that experience is and what it means to accomplish crossing that finish line and, and the journey, the, 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 the brilliant journey that you, you get to go on when you say, I want to be an Ironman finisher. Bringing that is, is what's going to be super exciting. You know, mm -hmm. I think, um, interestingly, and I'm sort of digressing a little bit from the question about Andrew, but I think the Olympics are going to give a real boost to the sport overall. It's, 
you know, those the Olympic triathlon gets more eyeballs around the world than any other triathlon by far. You know, a gazillion people that know nothing about triathlon get to see it. That sparks interest. There's always a bump in triathlon interest after the year after the Olympics. And so, you know, if I was the CEO of, of Ironman, I would be focused on having developing some more of the 5150 races so that there's a real easy entry for people who are excited about the sport and, and about trying it out. But anyway, you know, back to Andrew, um, it was interesting. One of the comments he said is that, you know, the next sort of phase of things is it's going to be a, a, a four or five year sort of project to, you know, continue to make Ironman vital and, and vibrant and, and thrive. And he goes, I just don't have the energy. And, and I get that, you know, he, he more than anybody understands the amount of energy, the amount of time and commitment that goes into it. And as a person, you, you have to acknowledge that you have to sort of give him a, I don't know what you say, a, you know, a pat on the back. Like he said, part of this too is that I want to spend time with my family and I'm always traveling. And, you know, I, I have kind of questioned myself, like, when does he ever have time to just be with his wife, be with his son, you know, share those day-to-day moments because that guy is busier than the it's, one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. You know what I mean? It's insane. <laughs> I've talked to him. He's at a morning meeting in Frankfurt and an afternoon meeting in Los Angeles, you know, flying to LA and then getting back to Tampa and then back. I, I just, I, I thought I traveled a lot or you traveled a lot. It just, just was crazy. Uh, yeah. He'll, I think, I think Andrew will be graded over what he's done over the last 12 years in uh, a couple years or so. And I think the grade's going to be very high. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe Iron Man needs to somehow help pull some people into the sport, uh, besides obviously their entry level of 70.3. And, and I think uh, the new CEO could pull off something like that. Be, I, I think it'd be easier to do than, than people think uh, because it's been there before and I think they can bring that back. Yeah. Hey, do you think, Mark? Do you think a super league, you know, moving this year, uh, a super league athlete can? You think that's the type of athlete that could win Paris? I think so. High intensity. Uh, you know, obviously mm-hmm. it's it's slightly different because you're doing you know repeat. But um, for sure, they could. Somebody who's doing really well in super league could step up to Olympic distance, which, you know, probably their training is not a, is not that much less, if at all, than somebody who is competing at Olympic distance, you know, because you've got to, you've got to be able to do that super high end and then do it again and do it again, you know, and so absolutely, I think that's, I think you're going to see some, maybe see, see some, maybe uh, some champions that have, who were bred on that, stepping up and making Paris their, you know, coming out show. I, I, I do too. I think that's what uh, so many of those young athletes are doing. You know, it's <laughs> been around a long time and sometimes I'll, I'll start seeing names in Super League. I, okay, I got to look that one up. I got to look that one up. Where'd, where'd she come from? Where'd he come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what I like about it. They're bringing in new blood into the, into the sport. Uh, and I kind of like that competitive nature of the teams. You know, you see Macca doing a smackdown and Tim Don doing a smackdown. And it's, it's kind of cool for our sport to, to have something like that, uh, the going back and forth side of it. Have you ever been to a Super League race? I, you know, I've never been able to make it to one. Uh, I think it'd be pretty fun to see. Um, you know, the concept is really interesting because it's, you know, it's a stadium affair and that's, that's, mm-hmm. so you get to see the entire race, which obviously, as, as we know, is one of the challenges to, um, sort of fan participation in the sport. You, you just don't get to, you can't see the Ironman race. You can watch it on the stream, but you can't be out there and watch them every second. Super League, you can see it. You get to see him sweat. You get to see him breathe. You, you know, you, you get to see him collapse at the finish and then do it again. So, you know, that sort of, stadium aspect i think also kind of helps breed that that talk smack kind of thing too yeah yeah exactly you think we're going to hear have some more uh retirement news f- for some of the pros by the end of the year 
Well, that's a that's a really really good question. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the pros right now are kind of making it because of the PTO. The PTO does not appear to be quite as in the position that I think they envision that they would be at this point. You know, I don't I don't know how their I don't know how their viewership is for their for their streams, their TV programs of the races. Um, I don't know how their sponsorship to finally sort of start getting income is is going. But, you know, some people out there are sort of putting it out like this might be the last year of it. There's no Collins Cup this year, which is not not a good sign in my opinion. So anyway, if the PTO sort of goes away, then a lot of the pros who are, are getting money from that pool, where are they going to go? I think there's going to be, there could be a huge turnover because of that. And there's just going to be the natural thing, like some people are just going to retire. So maybe Daniela and, and, and Jan Ferdinand decide like, okay, we had our final big blasts, you know, we both won or, you know, whatever takes place and it's time to move on. I think you're going to see a, a number of those folks also stepping aside yeah, I believe the, I mean, the rest of the year is going to be interesting. I think it's still going to be status quo with Finland, Nice, and Kona. They're going to be great races. Uh, but I, I just thought for some reason I have this gut feeling we're going to see some change with the sport and the state of the sport. And uh, some of the changes will be good. Some are going to maybe set some portions of it back, like you mentioned with the PTO, but I don't know anything about that. I I mean, I know enough about it, but I, I would hope they'd be able to sustain just because, you know, obviously a lot of promises were made and a lot of pros were taken care of and and their policy with women and, and uh, being a pregnant athlete. And I, I think some of the things they've done have, have been uh, top notch. So I wouldn't want to see that change. But we've got different factions in the sport and they're, they're really not butting heads, but it's, it's like... Uh, you want everybody to get along because if if everybody gets along in the sport, I think the sport's much better off. So I just, I don't know, my gut's telling me I'm there's some changes coming. I don't know what there'll be, but been around long enough to know there's we're kind of at that, not pivot point yet, but close to it on, on something maybe happening. Have you had that feeling at all? Yeah, I, I think we're, we're in for a shakeup, you know, after this year. Part of, part of what will sort of I think determine some of that is the perceived success or failure of the two world championships for the full distance for Ironman. If people walk away and go, you know what, I wasn't so psyched about having this, but the experience was amazing and, you know, these these things were added that we never had in Kona when, you know, and Nice was amazing because of the course. You know, if the experience is great for the athletes, I think there's going to be a sort of a, 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 a really good turnaround uh, in, in sort of like, okay, we do have the two locations. We're getting the best of both worlds now. You know, the women have their highlighted day and the, the island is behind the, the one day of racing. And we've got Nice and Nice is behind that, that part of it. And next year we're going to swap and everything's going to go on. And I think that's actually going to be over time part of sort of how people, going back to Andrew, how, how they sort of assess his, um, his reign. You know, if, if that decision to split it into two locations uh, doesn't pan out to be something super positive for the athletes overall, you know, it'll, it'll go back on Andrew's shoulders, you know, sort of like he, had to make, he made that decision and it didn't work. Or, or if it does, then it's going to be yeah. like, wow, the guy had some, he had some vision, he had some foresight and you know, when it, when it was first announced, I didn't think it would work, but wow, it's it's actually really good. So yeah, I I think there's going to be some changes. Um, you know, when you have an Olympic year um, coming up next year, you know that that mm-hmm. that draws a lot of the young guys into action. But then, depending on how they do, if they qualify, if they don't qualify, you know, it, all that stuff. Once the Olympics are over, there, there can also be a real shift in sort of the athlete makeup. A lot of guys and women might just decide, 
I'm done. You know, I, I don't want to move up to 70.3. It's too hard. Or I don't, I don't want to whatever. Um, but then a lot of the folks who have been focusing on that short distance will do like Christian did and, and like Gustav and, and they'll, mm-hmm. move, they'll move up to 70.3 and, and Ironman. Because I think ultimately, you know, as an athlete, as a triathlete, you know, if most sort of in the back of their mind have that little thing like, you know, if I could win the Ironman World Championship, that would be something very cool. Yeah, that uh, that on the resume has never hurt anybody. <laughs> I yeah, never, right. never hurt anybody. The uh, let's talk TriDot, TriDot training. You are one of their top coaches uh, in the country, in the world, and you've seen a lot of change in triathlon training. The uh, uh, you know the the constant change of, of training and, and how to train somebody and coach, uh, the artificial intelligence, the AI of it. Do you think the way TriDot's been putting it together, it can really change people's perception of the sport so that they don't look at it as like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. I'm not that good. I'm slow. I can't swim. Do you think they have, uh, the opportunity to be able to change a lot of those perceptions? Yeah, like one of the things that, that TriDot does is, um, you know, you, you get daily sort of workout scores on, on how you performed in your workout. And it's not based on how you perform against anybody else. It's just how well you ex- execute the session that was set up for you. And so there's a, there's a real, there can be a real positive feedback loop in that, like, you know, these, these training sessions, I, I did assessments, um, you know, that information has gone into creating my training plan. So it's, it's not a template that got modified from somebody else's workouts. This is set up for me, you know, with, with zones that are appropriate for me with workout lengths that are based on the kind of athlete that I am and the amount of time that I have to train. And then as you go out there each day and you train, you kind of get this, you get this train X, train X score, and it's like, how well did you execute the workout? You know, and, you know, when, when you get that hundred, they call it a unicorn, you know, unicorn. The athletes, yeah. like, they get this big, it's like a game, you know, like, can I get a hundred? Can I get a unicorn? You know, and it just makes it a little more fun. And, and also what it does is, um, you know, with their, their, their AI, that just allows um, all of this information that that gets generated in training plans and that affects um like your your training zones when you're working out like the temperature you know if if it's cold out you're going to be running in different uh, different heart rates and, and zones than you would if it's super hot and you know tridot automatically takes all of that information in and digests it for the athlete so that every 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 session they do is very specific and design for that person in the environment that they're going to be working out in, whether it's indoors, outdoors, hot, cold, altitude, age-related, um, you know, gender-related, just all these different things. And that's what that does, not only for the athlete, but also for coaches, is that it allows people to actually just go out and do their training with, with really good, specific guidance without having to... Mm-hmm figure out what all the numbers mean. And, and then once they do it, what does that mean for tomorrow's session? That kind of thing. And excuse me, you know, I was, I was kind of getting into that data fatigue myself as a coach prior to going over to TriDot. And one of the huge, huge reasons that I, that, that I saw the advantage of being on their platform is that, you know, my athletes were, you know, I was seeing these graphs of what the athletes were doing each day. And it was like, oh my God, how do I, how do I digest all of this information and have it sort of influence what I'm going to have them do tomorrow? And then again, if somebody is, you know, the weather changes and I don't know it and I give them the same zones or power yeah. output, they're going to kill themselves in 98 degree heat compared to when it was designed. And it was, you know, think I'm thinking that it's going to be 65 out or whatever it is. So anyway, it just takes all of that sort of, number fatigue out of the equation and it fine tunes for each athlete super 
these the Tridot, they Jeff Boer, the 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 founder, has been working on this stuff for almost twenty years. So it's not like three years ago he goes, "Ooh, AI, that sounds really cool. Let me see if I can do put a training <laughs> together for this." He's been accumulating data from how people have trained thousands and thousands of athletes over many years now and seen what actually works. So that's that I'm actually being educated as a coach because some of the, the training sessions that they're recommending for my athletes are different than I would, I would have them do in my old paradigm. Right. But I'm seeing now this, the, 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 the wisdom in it and how it is actually helping them. I mean, I have had so many of my athletes that I've coached for many years, um, come over with me to try dot and at first they're kind of like i was initially a little bit like this is a little different than what you used to have me do i'm like yeah well let's just try it and let's see how it goes okay and they would try it and every single one of them has been setting prs and they're like "Ooh, wow <laughs> this kind of works and and on top of that <laughs> yeah. they have this really cool um social community you know their their facebook um, page is super positive and supportive and informative. You know, they're they're not a bashing community. They're a very supportive community, and it really you really feel like you're part of something. You know, so even though a lot of people have to train on their own because of job and time and commitments and all that, they go to races. They know there's going to be a bunch of try 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 out athletes right. there. They get together. They 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 chat. They have a good time together. They have a meal. They high five each other on the race course it's it's just a it's got everything it is it is a strong community and, and jeff Boer, he has been ahead of the curve for a lot of years of putting this together and just as a small teaser mark you know as the new cmo of tridot chief motivational officer you mentioned unicorn you got the pornicorn you know you've got the all the different levels of tridot they may be hearing some a voice come into those apps when they hit those new levels of a congratulatory nature. So uh, I can't say much more about that, but pretty soon you may be hearing a familiar voice come into your come into your ears, congratulating you on on your new level with TriDot. So that's all I'm going to say. Stay tuned. I don't know who everybody. that voice is. <laughs> well, there is only one voice. What's that? There is only one voice, and I'm talking to him, so. <laughs> oh, it's going to be. I can't wait till that all comes to fruition. We've been working hard on it. <laughs> it'll, it'll be great. Mark, if somebody, uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have the bandwidth to take on more athletes to coach now because of that? I do. You know, it's the, the communication tools that are set up in there for me to track my athletes to communicate with them on a daily basis has really it's it's freed me up to actually be a coach and to sort of be the the, the people's accountability behind the scenes so they know that I'm always looking at what's going on and yeah mm -hmm. I can I definitely am uh, open I have some slots still open people can check out Mark Allen premium on tridot and in there you get a very personal um, sort of white glove coaching from me personally. Uh, yeah. I, and this is, we're kind of in that second half of the season, which is actually mm -hmm. sometimes a harder part of the season for people to navigate because once you're kind of already in good shape, how you maintain that without burning out is it, it can be challenging. And for those who start late because you live in a colder climate, or maybe you only like to race and train from let's say June through November or whatever, you know, there's also that you can get overexcited because you go out and you train with people who maybe are a little bit ahead of you on the fitness curve. You can also burn yourself out because you do too much, too hard, too fast. And so anyway, in this sort of second season, the second half, here we are, you know, going into August, September, October, November, maybe even December window. Um, you know, I, I'd love to help those of you who are have been kind of considering, well, maybe I, you know, I got this kind of big race that's important and maybe maybe I should just try having Mark Allen be my coach. I'm up for it. Do that. Yeah. So how do they get a holy again? You go on TriDot. It's it, it, you can Google Mark Allen premium in TriDot and it'll take you right to the page that has all the information on that. Mark, what do you, what are you looking forward to to the most, the most for the rest of the year? I'm, I'm looking forward, you know, this, this is a, the, always the part of the year where, 
you know, we've we've had some big races, we've had some incredibly big performances, and now it's sort of like time for people to put the put the period at the end of the sentence. Like who in the first part of the year is going to be the ones performing at the last part of the year? Can Daniela do it again in October? Can Magnus Ditlef, you know, pull one off in Nice? Can Jan Frodeno make one final stake in the ground in his career in Nice? That kind of thing. Can Chelsea Sodaro repeat against mm. what is going to be a historic race? And historic race? Is that the right grammar? Anyway, so I, I, I like all of the championship events that take place toward the end of the year like this. And how people, this is like you're, you're closing out the season. It's like you kick it off, you open it, you start training, you open it up with those early season races. You do the, the ones in the middle that in the moment everybody remembers, but then you go toward the end of the year and then that's what everybody will be talking about all winter long. And so I, I love being at those races, part of the world championship events for Ironman. And, um, you know, and, and just for me, it's, it's not it's not just about the pros though it's like there's in those world championship races there's a real magic that takes place with the age groupers and a lot of mm-hmm. people i think forget this you know like you qual let's say you're <clears throat> at 70.3 main and, and you got a slot for 70.3 world championships and you're like oh, i don't know if i want to go or not you know it's just another 70.3 they're not just another race you know, same with, with a lot of, I heard a number of people who uh, raced uh, Ironman France in Nice this year, and they're like, why would I want to, you know, spend the money to go to the World Championship in September? It's just, I, you know, I, I just did Ironman France here in Nice. It's, you know, it's a completely different beast. First of all, the experience that is brought to the athlete throughout the week at a World Championship event for Ironman is is, is off the charts, you know, with stuff that's going on and, and events that are special for that. Secondly, you're in a, in a competition where the, the depth of field is, is like nothing you're ever going to get in any individual race. And so you have to bring a whole different game to it to sort of feel like, okay, I, I'm, you know, I earned a slot, but now I've got to earn my right at, on race day also. And so it just brings out something special that you even though every Ironman every 70.3 every triathlon that people do has an aspect of it that's special that's memorable that that you know you'll be you'll tick it off and you go right on that was cool or you'll go oh that sucked I'm gonna get better next time whatever it is but you go to a world championship race this year Finland for the 70.3 men and women two days of racing Nice for the men in September for the full distance Kona for the women in October. Those races are for first to last finisher are special beyond any other race that they're going to do throughout the year. I agree totally. The 33 years at those championship races, I would always get to Kona and it was like 20 times any event I had worked during the year. Even though those events, some of the things we saw and witnessed and the performances were A+, plus, you got to the World Championship and it's just like, are you kidding me? I never thought in my wildest dreams it'd be 20 times and it has been. So you hit the nail on the head with that, Mark. And I'm a bit, a bit jealous you're going to all three and I'm not, but you know, I, I've, I'm okay with that. And you, you never know where I'll show up in 2024 or 2025, somewhere or nowhere. It just, yeah, you just, just don't know. Everything's good right now. So, hey, Mark, thanks again. Three-peat, three-timer here on Find Your Finish Line. I, I should make some kind of belt or some kind of hat and give it to you for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Another first. Um, yeah, you know, you, you'll, you will be missed at, in, at the World Championships. You know, you obviously been a huge, huge part of it for so many years and, and your personality, enthusiasm, energy at the finish line has been, uh, it, it's made a mark on, on the sport and it's something that, that will never be forgotten. And it's, it's set a standard for all of the, all of the announcers who are, are going to be working. Like 
but like anything, you know, there, there will never be another Mike Riley and anybody who tries to sort of be you will fail. They, nobody can be you, you know, whoever, whoever sort of steps up and, and, you know, develops whoever they are, you know, then they'll be remembered for that, but there will never be another Mike Riley. And, um, for those of you who haven't heard already, I was the very first finisher that Mike called across the line at his very first Ironman World Championship in yep. Kona, 1989. And that that's, for me, that's, that's a pretty cool thing to think about. Thank you. That uh, Thank you. That's a very cool thing for me to think about. And thanks for those kind words. I appreciate that more than you know. Mark Allen, thank you again for your time. I know you're a busy man. You got all these athletes to take care of. Get them to the finish line. So thanks again for being on Find Your Finish Line. And everyone, thanks again for tuning in. Remember, Pillar Performance, Triple Magnesium Powder. You got my code at thefeed.com, M-I-K-E-2-3. You get 15% off. You want to sleep better, recover better, try it. And thanks again for tuning in to Find Your Finish Line. You can pick us up on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or right on my website, mikereilly.net slash podcast. Keep in mind, everybody, every day of the year, every hour of the day, you're the cause of your own experience. If you keep those experiences as positive as you can, you will always find your finish line. Aloha.